Hey friend, and welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. In today's episode, I'm super excited to be diving into the three key differences between directing 360 film versus traditional film. Be diving into all of that. This was actually a subject that was requested. And if you want to make a request for future episodes for subjects for me to tackle, then please reach out to me, Alex Makes VR, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and also to accompany these episodes, and also just so that you've got all of these kind of insider tips and tricks, I send out a newsletter pretty much every time I put a podcast episode out so that you don't have to be scrolling scrabbling um scrabbling is that a word no that is a game <laughs> you don't have to be um scribbling notes uh, as you're listening to this because I'm sure you're doing something else um so if you don't want to do that if you just want all of the information the key takeaways from these episodes delivered straight to your inbox you can sign up to my newsletter at alexmakesvr.com so right up top I just want to put it out there especially if you're quite new to 360 What I'm about to outline is absolutely my personal opinion. And the truth is, when it comes to directing this new medium of 360 video, and when it comes to directing for virtual reality in general, regardless of the capture format, there is so much that is left to be, that is, uh, that is kind of yet to be discovered. We are so early on in this medium and that is one of the reasons what makes it so exciting, right? Because we are literally developing the storytelling language. And this is the thing that I've always found fascinating about this medium. But I just wanted to say that up top because my opinion on how to direct 360 and VR is going to be potentially quite different to the way that someone else suggests it. Where I get my information from and how I decide on my directing style is mainly from um, interacting and showcasing and facilitating a lot of VR events um, and cinemas where I am seeing firsthand new audiences interact with the medium. So bear that in mind. My primary directing experience is directing for an audience that isn't that uh, well-versed with with 360 or VR, okay? So that is really important to say because, for example, if you looked at uh, an experience that might have, let's say, um, again, there's so many nuances to this because there's so many different things, but if you looked at potentially uh, a different 360 experience that was kind of like going against all of the rules that I'm going to outline in this episode, you might think, well, hang on a second, Alex, you you said that this is how you direct 360 or this is, this is what you've alluded to. This is my personal preference. Again, this is because I primarily direct for new VR audiences. And that's the other disclaimer up top is that when I'm talking about um, directing 360 in this context, in this podcast, I'm talking about directing 360 video that will be consumed in a VR headset. I could do a whole episode going into the weeds about why I think it's so stupid that we have this argument continuously in this industry about the differences between, you know, 360 is not real VR. If it's being consumed in a VR headset, it's VR to me. The capture format is 360 video, but it is a VR piece because it's being consumed in a VR headset. So 
I just wanted to put those disclaimers up top before we dive into the key differences, just so that you know that's the context, that's where I'm coming from. Feel free to disagree if you if you direct your own pieces, you might go about this a bit differently. But this is how I see the three key differences between directing 360 and traditional film. So number one is how you direct action in a scene. In traditional filmmaking, directors are using a sequence of shots to to basically assemble a scene, right? As in, it's very rare unless you're watching, you know, like a Birdman film or 1917 or something where they, is it 1917? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the kind of film where they've intentionally, they're intentionally doing a one shot. So it feels actually, funnily enough, a bit more like it could be 360 because um, there are no breaks in the scene. Um, generally speaking, in traditional filmmaking, in traditional television or short films or feature films, whatever it is, a scene comprises of wide shot, close up, medium, reverse shot, two shot, like all these different shots, right? And depending on what they're trying to convey in the, in the shot, um, they will frame the shot very differently, right? Like directing for the most part in film, is a lot about how they're framing things and how they want to pull together a sequence of shots in order to make up a scene. Whereas in 360, again, this is my personal preference, I don't think it works very well when you cut around in a scene. If you've got one scene in 360, you're going to use actors choreography and choreographing the audience attention to create the scene does that make sense so rather than in traditional film where they will go pull from a wide shot to a medium shot to a close-up to a reverse shot that will create the scene for a 360 scene our camera will stay in the same position and we will choreograph the actor around the scene or we will choreograph the action or we will choreograph um, something uh, like the sound or something to pull the person, the audience's attention around that scene. So that's the key difference. So instead of a medium shot or a wide shot or a close-up, we might have an actor come closer to camera or maybe we will have, you know, two performers in the space come together and then come apart to kind of force the audience to look a certain way. Or maybe we will have, uh, if we want to uh, go from having our attention right in front of us on an object and all of a sudden, you know, we want some, we want to pull their attention to behind, maybe we'll have um, a big sound cue that will just make the audience whip their head around to look. So that's the, the first key difference is the way, is the way that we um, direct action in a scene. And for us, it's much more about instead of creating individual frames that pull together to create a sequence, we are creating a sequence of action that will pull the attention. And bear in mind as well that 360 scenes tend to be, and this is generalizing, but they do tend to be a little bit longer. And that's purely because when someone watches 360, especially in a headset, um, well, mainly in a headset, 
they have a much longer attention span. And in fact, you kind of, you need to give that person breathing room, especially to start with, to acclimatise to that scene, to let them have a nosy around the location, to let them kind of settle into um, this new environment before you then start to kind of pull their attention around. Because the thing is, and this could go down a rabbit hole of just me telling you tips on how to direct 360, which I definitely want to do in, in other episodes, but... Um, you know, what you don't want to do is create the FOMO effect. You don't want to, you know, plop them in a scene and then all of a sudden have five different things happening at once because they, by far, the overwhelming evidence from showing 360, not just myself, but anecdotally from loads of people I know that show 360, um, people feel overwhelmed. They don't like it. And unless that's your intention, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be having too much happening in a scene at once. It does not work. So, that's the key, number one key difference, directing action in a scene. Um, number two is, oh, I've kind of already touched on this a little bit. There are no cuts. So actors have got to be always on. So again, for a film director, they are purely focusing on what is in that rectangle frame. Anything else happening is completely irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant what the lights look like behind the scene that are kind of casting light onto it. As long as everything in that frame is perfect, as long as that, you know, we've got the right depth of field, as long as we've got the right lens, as long as that person, um, that person's on a close-up, as long as that person's face is doing what I want them to do, I couldn't care less what their body's doing. It's that kind of thing, right? It's, it doesn't matter. If it's not in the 16 by 9 frame, it doesn't exist in, in, in the director's mind in traditional film. In 360, everything is in shot all the time. So now you are not only directing that actor's specific face or specific body language when they are delivering a line. All of a sudden... Everyone in that shot is always on. Everything. Every object. Did you hear my stomach rumble then? I apologise. I'm recording this before I've had breakfast because I was on one this morning and I was like, yes, I've got, I know I need to pump this episode up. Um, you know, oh, I've lost my trail of thought now. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let me rewind it back. Everything, yeah, so everything is on. Every object in that scene is considered Every light, every practical light in shot is considered. Everything about that scene in 360 is always, could always be focused on by the audience. And although as the director, you specifically want them to be looking a certain way at a certain thing, you have to account for the fact that the audience has free will and they have the choice to look around if they want to. So if your actor that's delivering their lines are perfect, but you look slightly to the left and the other actor looks bored and, or maybe they're like, they've forgotten their lines. So they've like, you know, they're kind of like stumbling and really obviously, you know, not, it's, that's no good. You have to cut, you can't use that take. And that's the thing, right? There are no cuts, especially if you're following my mantra, which is that you don't cut within a 360 scene it's jarring and it's stupid in my opinion again this is 360 for vr headsets though um and again this is my personal opinion um 
but you can't cut. So therefore, every actor or every performer or every object, everything in that scene needs to be perfect. And so you're not just directing that one actor who we're focusing on. You're directing everything. So it's a lot more like theatre that way. Every person who is in that scene, whether they come in at a certain particular time and that timing needs to be perfect or their expression needs to be right, even if they're kind of like a supporting actor. So when I when I've done productions where I can off the top of my head think of a scene where um, we used probably about 50 extras in a scene, every single one of those extras Every single one of them, even though they're not speaking, even though they're not, you know, they're not like a kind of a lead role, they are just as important to that production because they need to sell, uh, they need to sell what they're doing. You know, they need to kind of like look convincing. They need to be always on. It's again, it's not just when the camera is, happens to be focused in on them. They are always on because everything in a 360 shot, um, is, is fair game in terms of uh, whether the audience could be looking at it. So that's number two, that there are no shots, like everything. You have to direct everything in that 360 scene, not just what's happening, not just like the main action that you're hoping um, the audience is, is looking at. And also because the scenes are a bit longer, there is more to direct in general. And it, again, it's a lot more like theatre in that way. So that's number two. Number three are the technical considerations. Now, of course, there are technical considerations with traditional filmmaking as well. Um, And there will be some directors, both in traditional and 360, that um, they are either going to be a little bit more or a little bit less technical. Uh, You know, sometimes directors like to lean on their DOP or their visual effects supervisor to kind of guide them. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's my job as the director to set the vision and get it how I want it to look. But then, you know, it's, it's up to the technical people to come in and say, oh, actually, that's not a great idea because X, Y, and Z. Um, in 360, given the context that most of us are doing things on much smaller budgets than a traditional, uh, a traditional film kind of director would be, you don't have the option to be technically ignorant. You have to be aware of the technical, the technical considerations that are going to affect the creative. So, for example, stitch lines. Again, it's hilarious that in four or five years, that one of the biggest issues with 360 filmmaking is still stitch lines. Um, and it's getting better. Absolutely. Like the technology has come on leaps and bounds since I first started directing 360, but it's still a consideration. And I still, especially if we've not got loads of time to do like prep and, uh, to do test shoots in that location, or we don't have mass amounts of time with the actors to, you know, run the shot, how I want it, and then preview it back on set. In fact, that's actually another key difference. That's like a bonus key difference, which I'll quickly slip in here, I guess, because it's technically a technical consideration. Um, a film director gets to see what they're shooting. They see it exactly as it will fit, as it will end up, right? Basically, um, 
that shot that they're looking at on their monitor, their 16 by 9 rectangle, that is what they will, that is the final shot, right? They can see everything. They can make it look perfect. With 360, there is no current way to preview in a headset exactly what you're looking at. So, Oh, there's obviously two ways to go about that. For me, because I've directed it so much now, I can kind of know from looking at the pano, the um, the stretched out kind of like panoramic 360 uh, clip. I can kind of, I can, in my head, I kind of know what that will look like in a headset just based on experience. Um, or again, if you've got a little bit longer, the ideal scenario is that you run a little test shoot and then you get the file from the camera and then you look back at it in a headset. But the problem is with that is we all know that the quick stitching on most cameras is pretty shocking. Um, and actually it would take far too long to do a neat stitch of that shot to look back in a headset on most sets. So for me, it's kind of like I would always rather err on the side of caution when it comes to stitch lines. Um, so I will maybe look back at a, a kind of a quick stitched version. I'll see where the stitch line is and say, OK, right, I'm going to choreograph the action to happen a little bit further that way, just so that we really avoid that stitch line, because I'd rather be safe than sorry, because that would be a nightmare um, to deal with in post. Um, you've got things like that. You've got, um, you know, considerations about where to hide the crew. Whereas on a traditional film set, you are surrounded by your crew. You uh, you are kind of, you can be in there having those kind of uh, conversations and you can be, it can feel very, um, I'm not sure what the word is, kind of like intimate. Whereas 360 can feel a bit bare when you're directing. Um, I'll never forget when we shot Key Delight and I wasn't directing the actors on that set Um Chloe Thomas was a friend of mine and she literally had to sit underneath the tripod and it was just her sitting under the tripod and the two the two main actors out in the middle of this like London riverside um what would you even call walkway I guess and we were all hiding behind the bushes and that's so funny right because it's such a bear that that's that's so alien for a film director film directors are usually you know you're surrounded by the equipment and the crew and it's like yes you've got this again you've got this small little section that is the kind of feels normal because it's been set up to like look uh, as it's going to um translate on to the 16 by 9 rectangle because I, I keep I, anyway I don't know what to call it because I know obviously we make jokes in the VR industry that we call them flatty films you call it like the flatty thing but traditional film I guess makes sense but the 16 by 9 rectangle that they are uh, kind of focusing on but then around outside of where those cameras are you've got lights you've got like wires everywhere you've got crap you've got the catering table you've got loads of crew standing around usually whereas in 360 you can't do that it's a super bare crew because you have to hide everyone and so as a director that can feel sometimes quite exposing and um it can be you so for that reason as well you have to have a kind of like a technical sense of okay that actor walked in there but I know that we're gonna have to plate that window so actually I'm gonna redo that shot and move that actor to the other side of the room because what I don't want is to up our post-production budget because they've just walked past that window that I know we're gonna have to plate in afterwards um to make it not overexposed does that make sense uh, same thing goes for like personal space with the camera like te those technical skills of like understanding um 
what that's going to feel like and look like in a VR headset for that first for that audience that you're creating for that technical understanding again I would say is a really important part of 360 directing that that yes you do have to have technical considerations as a film director of course I'm not saying you don't but I'm also saying that it just so happens that it is imperative that you have that knowledge as a 360 director because ultimately there are so many technical things that go into every creative choice into 360 that you kind of have to be a little bit of both rather than oh I'm just gonna have my creative vision and then everyone around me will kind of make that happen because everything is kind of possible because we've had a hundred years of traditional filmmaking does that make sense so those are my three key differences as I see them between directing 360 and traditional films so to run through them again just quickly so number one is um, directing action as in a scene so choreographing audience attention rather than creating a sequence of different shots to make up a scene number two is that there's no cuts so you're directing literally everything in that 360 environment. Actors are always on. There are no cuts. It's a lot more like theatre in that way. You're not just making that 16 by 9 rectangle, rectangle, <laughs> rectangle look beautiful. Everything has to be on point. Every actor that isn't even the focus of that shot needs to be on always. And number three, technical considerations. There are so many technical considerations that can affect a 360 video or film. Um, so you have to be a lot more technically aware. Um, those are my three key differences between directing 360 and traditional film. I would be curious to hear from you. If you, if you direct some 360 yourself, I would love to hear whether you agree with this or whether there's anything else that you would point out as different. If you um, haven't even, if you've not like started directing your 360 uh, films yet, but this has been helpful, I would love to hear from you too. Please, please reach out to me. Alex makes VR on Instagram and Twitter. It would mean the world. It would also mean the world if you are getting any value from this podcast, if you're enjoying it, if you found it useful, share it with a friend maybe, share it with someone who you think might get value from it too. That would mean the world to me. Um, and as always, if you could follow or subscribe on the podcast app that you are listening uh, on, just so that you get notified when the new episodes go live. Another way to be notified when they go live is by signing up to my newsletter, as I said up top. Um, I'm super happy with with how people are kind of responding to all of the stuff that we're sharing. And it definitely helps me as well to understand what uh, people are most interested in, especially when you reply to the emails. I love getting I love getting emails. I just love talking. I don't know whether you've noticed this about me, guys. I just love talking. So I'm always up for a conversation. Uh, you can sign up to that newsletter, alexmakesvr.com. So that's it for today's episode. I hope it was helpful. I hope that that kind of outlines some of the key differences for you, especially if you are listening and you are a traditional film director looking to get into 360. Gives you a sneak peek behind the curtain. Um, yeah, and let me know if you want me to do more of these kind of practical breakdown episodes in future. Okay, I've run out of things to say now, even though I love talking. So have a wonderful day and I will speak to you very soon.